Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina, from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. The month is going by, but I think sometimes on a slow summer day, especially with the heat, it seems like it should be going slower, but no. And I'm giving a little shout out to everyone, the farmers that are out there. I've been watching the news and hearing from friends. We are in some heat, some hot spells. So we have to take care and remind, try to be positive, try and think positive. Our hearts are with everyone that's out there. Um, It's the season of drought. I have to give a shout out to uh, one person who has been calling in about some spruce trees. I had a little welcoming visit by James uh, from Lebo. He popped in. It was so nice to see a face to someone who has been calling in. So thank you, James, for your visit. And thank you for the poem. He made a little visit in and he wrote me a poem. And I'd like to share it with you today. Take a listen. Hello, I'm Carla, the gardening girl. If you got growing thumbs, give me your number. Give your number. Sorry, I'm going to start again because I have to do justice to James's poem. I'm sorry about that, James. Here we go. Hello, I'm Carla, the gardening girl. If you've got growing troubles, give me your number a whirl. I've been called the plant nurse, and hopefully nothing more worse. By calling, you've made the right selection. So give me any garden question, and I'll do my best to find a cure. Because I love my plants, that's for sure. Was I born with a green thumb? Well, it looks the same as the other one. When I'm gardening, I'm in a special world. So I'm a lawn and garden type of girl. When I'm gardening, my daily troubles are left and I'm surrounded by nature. What a find. There's nothing too simple or too hard for a solution in my helpful mind. So if you've got a growing trouble, please call and I'll do my best to help one and all. Thank you so much, James, for the lovely poem. And that is such a cute poem. Thank you again, James, for stopping by. Like I said, I love to meet you. Uh, we're, we're becoming a gardening family. We see each other and we have some uh, new gardeners that we hope we have listening that are helping us to learn. And us too. Yeah, I'm going to say, I've got a little bit of green thumb, but... I like to make it greener by learning along with you. We'll be right back after this message. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. We've got Maria on the line. Hi, Maria. Hi. Hi, good morning. Where are you calling from this morning? Blumenort, Manitoba. Well, good morning. Good morning to you. How can we help you? I would just like to let you know that I finally conquered my red lily beetles. Wow. How did you do that? Last year... I cut my plants right down, and I put a big layer of ashes on there, wood ashes. Wood ashes. I did not know if they would come back, but they all came back with no beetles. Wow. And do you have extensive lily beds? Yes. Well, I have one in in the back of my house that's pretty big, and then I have one in my front flower bed. And I had missed the ashes under one tree there was a few scraggly ones yeah so there was beetles on there i picked them off and now they're all gone i have no leaves in no holes in my leaves 
Wow. You know what? There's a little bit of a, there's a testament right there for certain things that do uh, work on areas. You know, uh, so I'd say bravo if you can do that and get that. That's I was bound and determined to kill those little guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes we are. It's like, uh, you know. Uh, I, I wish I had sort of had the same thought of my little bunny, but my granddaughter w- would not like me if I did that. <laughs> but uh, the beating that lily beetle, because the lilies in the garden are beautiful, and the intensity, and I know that uh, there's some garden sites that you can join on some of the social media aspects, but they're beautiful that are out there. So thank you for sharing your story with I us. I used neem oil on them last year. Yeah. But that just brought them up. Well, you know what? It depends on the cycle. And what we're seeing now is, I think, in different times, because I have heard that the lily beetle isn't as dominant this year because it's not a repeated story that we're hearing this year on the gardening. But we get cycles of insects. So if it's not as great, that's good. And sometimes um, some uh, process of eliminating insects will happen and work for one person but may not be for another but well i hope it works next year again well i hope so too <laughs> let's cross our fingers okay okay thank you oh thank you maria for calling okay bye-bye okay enjoy the day you too it, okay thank you it's you know it is that because gardening and i think i've mentioned before gardening is not black or white in script okay because there's so many different scenarios of gardening aspect. And that's what makes this format beautiful. Because we hear different stories and we tell the gardening aspect of how to treat things, how to care for things. And some things work for me, work for you. Some things grow for me, but don't grow for you. And vice versa. I, you know, I've tried growing lupins in my backyard. I cannot grow a lupin, but yet I see beautiful yards with lupins. And I'm like... I'm going to knock on their door and tell, ask what they're doing to get those lupins growing. So it's a nice scenario. And that's why it brings back the thoughts of, you know, getting a cup of coffee in the morning and driving to town and sitting in the coffee shop and, and talking to the farmers and talking to your friends about what's working in their gardens because there is that scenario that does work for you. So it is that story that's in it. And we have to think of the different conditions in the different environments too as well. Because as we're speaking uh, to Maria that's in there, uh, where you are, we may find that you have not got the moisture or there is the moisture because there's some areas that still need a lot of rain. I know Winnipeg, we got a little bit of rain, not near enough. And as I giggle and laugh, um, you know, one of my husband's golf balls in one area of my yard would probably roll along the grass and fall in the cracks as how dry it is in that area because I'm preserving the amount of moisture that I use and I'm dedicating it to my flowers and not necessarily the lawn and I think maybe yeah I could probably put a, a little bit of a bedding aspect on there that I know that the reason why my rabbit is going towards my hosta is because my grass is pretty brittle. So we're going to go right to the lines. We have Lynn waiting. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Oh, hi. I have a question about hydrangea. We have three hydrangea on the east side of the house. And uh, for the last uh, two years, they, um, or even three years, one of them has like two or three blooms and uh, the other two don't have any blooms. 
and one of them is six years old, and the other one are um, the others are three years old. Okay, so I don't and know they... what the problem is that they're not blooming. Okay, um, and they're all in the. Okay, so is the is the garden? I'm going to ask about because if it's if they're planted at different times, but yet they're still kind of doing the same thing. Even when two or three blooms are on a plant, that's pretty weak blooming that's on it. So they should be blooming quite a bit. Now, if it's on the east side, how much sunlight does that get? And is there a larger canopy of trees that makes it a little more shady? Um, well, they get the morning sun, but, you know, when when uh, they were young, well, we replaced them because um, they were they weren't doing well. But... They used to be just full of blooms um, initially when we planted them. Okay. I don't think that the tree canopy has changed really much because they get the morning sun, and they get sun probably till, like, they're still in sun now. Yeah. So so they get sun till 11, till noon? Well, they uh, they get the morning sun, which is the rising sun. Yep. Uh, until, yeah, maybe about 11 o'clock. Till 11 o'clock. Okay, so you're getting um, the cooler, what we call the cooler side of the sun, because full sun, and we find that uh, full sun is generally six hours, five, six hours of sunlight. And even if it's the morning sun, it, you do get that sunlight. It's just slower to get things growing in there. And I find that hydrangeas, though they're a shade lover, I find that they do better with a little bit more increased sunlight. So we know that you have the sun capacity. We know that they bloom before. So I'm going to now target onto your soil conditions. Um, what is your soil like? Is it uh, sandy? Is it compact? Is it clay base? Well, my husband has worked in uh, like some, he works in compost every spring in around the soil. Sure. And, and also we have some well-aged uh, manure that we put in. Okay. All right. Now, we know that um, I'm, the reason why I'm asking you about the, the soil is if the trees, now the shrubs themselves, do they get nice and lush and big? Yes, there's lots of, yeah, they're, um, well, one of them is really small, one of them is nice and big, and one of them is medium. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's, there's a storybook about, you know, <laughs> the size that's in there. But I think what's happening is maybe because if it's, if it's aged manures that are in there, and plus we've got compost going at the same time, sometimes some plants, if they get too much nutrient base, uh, they get too much of a witness and they abort their blooming capacity and they just get nice deep green leaves and growth. Now, if the the trees and everything or the shrubs are getting uh, adequate fertilizer that's on there, maybe uh, next year, let's forego on adding more manure to it. Let's just make sure it's tilled up very well that's on it. And when you're putting in manures, your high nitrogen, your high nitrogen is going to cause a nice uh, plant and it's going to have good growth that's in there. Um, they also like moisture. So if it's in a drier site and if you have areas, and it may seem silly saying, well, all three of them got the same nitrogen and all three of them got the same moisture. But in different areas of gardens, if you have uh, more moisture on one than the other, that could affect the growth and part, part and part combined with your high nitrogen. There could be a ratio or a mixture there that's causing the blooming to um, slow down. Do you see what I mean? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, okay. we realize that too much uh, fertilizer is not good. And yeah. um, so we don't really use very much. Like the manure was really quite little. Okay. And we've only had the manure like this year that we've brought in. Okay, so they're, okay. So, and last okay. year they didn't do well either. Okay, you're stumping me. Okay, so you know what? What I'd like you to do, do you ever do um, uh, a high fertilizer that has a high middle number? Um, you know, he was, uh, my husband was using miracle Grow. Yeah, miracle Grow should work with that's on there. So it would be have that high middle number should help encourage blooming that's on it. So I'm just curious if there's a whole different combination that's going on it and applying moisture because moisture is key on some of them. I know... Yeah. Well, um, you know what? He has like a little irrigation system along the hydrangea and he always turns that on. So... Yeah. Well, I yeah. think Like doing... they are up against the house, but yeah. they do get like well watered. Okay. He well, puts it on every second day. Well, there you go. Watering. Well, that's excellent because hydrangeas at this time of season really like... Well, a lot of plants are really wanting that moisture. Um, you know what? I'm stumped with going through that um what i'm going to suggest is if you're only putting a little bit just try encouraging the fertilizer with the high phosphor like your high middle number i always call it the middle number that's on there so that you can get some increased blooming that's in there um i think it may be in combination maybe it depends on the variety that you put in that you replant it in there if it's a little bit different endless summer Mm -hmm. yeah endless summer is a little bit slower to bloom i find so uh, endless summer is the nice uh, blue one that goes into it. And yes. endless summer, depending on the conditions, are all three of them endless summer? Yes. Okay. Um, I find that they, myself, in my conditions uh, where I am, I find them a little bit slower to bloom for me, especially if they don't have a little bit brighter, brighter light on them. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So you know what? I would say just try encouraging direct watering that's in there. Uh Lightening up the soil, maybe if by adding soil to the top, tilling around a little bit to maybe loosen up some of the soil if it is a clay-based, because if it's a very heavy soil, some soils can be compacted and a little bit tighter around houses. Um, It is drier around houses too, because foundations keep the heat longer that's on there. So let's maybe see if we can increase the fertilizer a little bit on that high middle number. Um, Give them that little bit extra water that's in there and see if that will help to promote it, okay? Oh, yes. It's too late, really, to get encouraged blooms for this year, is it? Well, we do fertilize up, and we always like to say fertilizing up until mid-August, and I I, I really don't want to say it, but uh, mid-August is not that far away, and that's when most of our big trees and our shrubs and everything start the beginning of a dormancy pattern in them but who knows uh that may have shifted a little bit too but i usually like to see people stop fertilizing trees and shrubs mid-august because we do not want to increase growth pattern at that point blooming definitely if it's for blooming you can do that um you know especially our hanging baskets and our annuals we want to keep that going we want to see that color all season long so if there's still a little bit of time there that if you wanted to give it a little bit you still have some time into August, okay? Yes, will do. Thanks very much, Carol. That, oh, okay. thank you. Bye-bye. You're, you're welcome. Bye-bye. You know what? There's so many different things, and I've got stumped on that one. I know that with hydrangeas, too, um, 
myself, I planted a couple hydrangeas a few years ago, just a little bit on my east north corner of my home. And I seem to have a little bit of a struggle on that one too, because I think I need to move it in a little bit of a brighter, sunnier area. And maybe it's the competition of some of my cedar and some of my big uh, spruce trees there. There's another aspect of it. We never know. We learn together. There's more gardening coming ahead after this message. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal. So let's talk about our gardens. We have Gwen on hold. Hi, Gwen. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Carla. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning, Gwen? Plumas. Plumas? Yep. Well, whereabouts is Plumas? Uh, it's north off Highway 16, just west of Gladstone. Okay, I know where you are then. <laughs> okay, we're in a dry zone. Oh, so you're dry there too, eh? Oh, it's, very dry. You know, when they say that it's, it's, and we can't, we can't say, oh, come on, weather guys, it's not them, it's our environment, <laughs> it's the winds and the trees. But oh, you see, you, exactly, you, we keep hoping, but. Oh, we see the clouds, and then I'm I'm a good satellite person. I like going, and it depends on which satellite. I'll check three satellite areas, and I'm like, <laughs> it's got to come, and then all of a sudden it just seems like it's gone. No, it goes north of us. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Let's hope, because I know that we had a little bit of rain here. Uh, we're in the south side of Winnipeg, and mm-hmm. uh, we had, I would say, big two- to three-inch drops that were just kind of pounding some of the areas, and I thought, here it comes. Well, I don't even think they tic-tac-toed and touched themselves, and then it was dried up again. Yeah, oh, I yeah. know. It's been pathetic this year. Yeah, well, a little bit of a drought, so we all have to hope for some oh, moisture. Oh, undoubtedly. That's I think this is our second year, so. Yeah. So it's getting yeah. worse. Well, let's, there's going to, I'm going to be optimistic, optimistic and say, you know what, there's going to be a change. And when we do, we're going to say, Yahoo, it's going to fill up our, our, all of the water table is going to raise back up again. Oh, yes, we need to. <clears throat> okay, so how can we help you this morning on the lawn? Is and there anything that you can do for blossom and rot once you get it? Ooh, uh, I think once, you, once, there's no uh, reversion, like a flip back on it. Okay. You get it, but what you want to do is you want to prevent it happening on maybe some of the other fruit, and I say fruit because tomatoes are fruit, um, on that next batch. So uh, I know that calcium is a part of the factor that's in there, but I'm probably a biggest inducer or promoter of uh, trying to maintain uh, equal watering on crops, and that is especially hard when you so have... how much watering then now when, when, when they do have some of it? Well, Not I would, all of them. The, the first uh, tomatoes that came on are fine. Yeah, yeah. But the later ones, no. Well, we see this when we have a lot of um, heating conditions and when you get uh, periods of dryness in between. Mm-hmm. So this, the story is that if you can keep uniform moisture watering or c- uh, consistent watering patterns to it, mm-hmm. it does help with it. And, uh, you know, when you have drought and you have winds, these are things that cause the evaporation through the cells of a lot of plants that, you know, increase their respiration as as if they're breathing really. It's like running a a marathon and not being able to get that moisture. This is what's happening when you have excessive heat. Plus, we have to remember the winds and and the winds have been really wicked this year. The winds also added with that heat or playing factors on removing that moisture. Is it, uh, uh, is it good to prune because they have lots of foliage? 
Uh, pruning, actually, it was one of the conversations is uh, that we were going to sort of talk about today. You can prune off some of the foliage to open up because good air circulation is also beneficial, but the air circulation portion of it is not con- um, in coincidence, coincidence with blossom end rot. But you see okay. that on other you see that on other crops, mm-hmm. right? So maybe if they're, uh, maybe, you know what, maybe if there's less leaves, there's less respiration happening. So that could could be be. part of it. Yeah, if we think about uh, it. I have them in a box garden and I had extra tomatoes, so I put far too many in the area they're in. And uh, this is where they have the other area that I have tomatoes in are fine. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah, well, some of them, when we have more uh, more plants per square footage, we have to also remember that there's more moisture having to be drawn yeah. up in that because you have higher percentage of roots. And I am totally, I you can, I can point my finger at myself because I have uh, a little square footage garden too, and I put a tomato plant. I put uh, two tomato plants, and I then my granddaughter's like, let's, you know. Do you want to grow a watermelon? Yeah, let's put a watermelon. So I thought, okay, we'll put it in here. But, And then I ended up putting a couple sunflowers in this one <laughs> container. <laughs> oh, I could take a weed whacker to it. It's just like, you know, and I'm struggling on that one. Yeah, it's a jungle, and I'm struggling on that one myself with trying to keep the moisture up. Mm-hmm. because. Uh, I well, think I water the, every morning, but yeah. Uh, yeah. That may be too much. Like the beans are good and everything that are in the same box, but yeah, they're at the other end, though. Yeah. Well, there's different things that different crops require different um, care and conditions. We know that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know with uh, the error that I probably did online was my uh, sunflowers that I thought that were uh, big smile varieties that were supposed to go a foot high are now five and a half feet. Yeah. So I think my sunflower seed box got a little mixed up with my heights. <laughs> so uh, I know where the water's going. I yes, know it is going to my sunflower. Yeah. My sunflowers are grabbing all that moisture that's in there. So um, yeah. It's, well, thank uh, you very much, Carla, for the information. I listen weekly and I enjoy your program. Well, thank you, and I love it when you guys call in because it's all about gardening and good conversation. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye-bye. Enjoy your day. Will do. Okay. It's just those different portions and different aspects of it. Let's go right back to the lines. We have, I hope I say your name right, Agonitha. Yes. Hi, Agonitha. That's right. Hi, Carla. Hi. I forgot to ask Lynn where she's calling from. Where are you calling from this morning? From Steinbeck. Well, good morning out to Steinbeck. I do have some friends out there. Good. Uh, I have a, a watermelon question. Sure. Uh, I, for the first time in my decades of gardening, I planted watermelon, and it's blooming profusely. And I was wondering if I should uh, pinch some of those blossoms off to make it uh, the, the, uh, the rest of them get a better chance. You know what? That is a that is some um, that is actually an activity or a, a, that a lot of people start to do. Uh, yes, you can, because if you find that there are a lot of flowers closer to the core of the watermelons and then you start getting the tendrilling that's going along, um, the energy is then going on the still length, the growth, and the further uh, future development of more flowers. So if you want the development to continue on the ones that have already started to go and grow, 
like to fruit, yeah. uh, you can snip them off, and then that concentrates on the plant's energy to put it more into the fruit development already, rather than more f- additional flowers. Yeah, it's just a, 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 supposed to be a small, like, the name is Sugar Baby. Oh, they're nice. And I have never done this before in all my decades. <laughs> so, so, so anyway. have, Yeah, so have, uh, have you started getting some fruit no. Uh, developing, have you seen that? Uh, I think there's little buds starting to, or whatever you call those little growths. Yeah, I think some of the buds have developed, uh, the flowers have developed into something more than just a flower. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. think it's starting. Okay, so here's a hint, and I always like I always like to sort of give you experience from what I've done, and I love hearing about the experience of other people. I planted uh, some um, muskmelons or cantaloupes. Uh, for my granddaughter Ruby, and I also planted some zucchinis and uh, uh, you know some squashes and that kind of stuff, just so she could see it and give her that jungle effect that's on there. So, in the essence, if some people have been coming in and saying that they've been having their fruit or their flowering, but they're not getting that fruiting aspect. So, a um, the flowers that are opening to the point where you want to sort of snip off, maybe do a little bit of cross pollination. Uh, if you're if you already have great pollination and you haven't been doing anything, that's awesome. If not, sometimes um, mimicking it and taking a part of a male flower and going along, or take I like uh, showing Ruby how to do a Q-tip and going from one to the other, just so you get the cross-pollination aspect of it. Well, how do it. you know if it's a male or a female? Uh, it's in the shape. You'll find a l- different shapes of um, the inset of the flower. That's oh, on there. Okay. See, yeah, I'm a and rookie. It, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah, there's different. And that's why I kind of say, well, if you don't know, take a Q-tip and go from one to the other to the other, and then you're going to do the, the, you'll be the bumblebee, you okay. know? Okay. You can sing the bumblebee song as you go. Sure, <laughs> the, I'll do that. As you do it. And, okay. But the other thing, Agnetha, that I should say is, um, from my own experience, I have this wee bunny that uh, uh, my granddaughters love when it's in the backyard. They love running after it. But... Make sure that you have enough flowers that are going on it because this morning I checked on our uh, our plant this morning when I was giving a early morning watering and lo and behold, some of my nice little buds that I saw that were starting to prevent fruit were donated to little Miss Bunny. So oh, <laughs> make sure you one. have enough flowers that will develop, okay? Yeah, okay, I'll do that. Thanks. Okay, yep. thank you very much. Thank you very okay. much, bye-bye. Okay, enjoy your day. Bye. So, bye. And the other thing, too, is our watermelons. And I, and I know that uh, in some areas we are on a uh, water ban that's on there. So if you're looking at watering, maybe there's uh, uh, gray water that you have that you can use on your uh, gardens. If you can use that that's on it, it helps to subsidize. Uh, I know that uh, uh, with our two granddaughters, we have the teeniest little uh, pool that I use for the granddaughters when they come in and they play. And then after the granddaughters have been finished up, I know my Westies love to go in for a little bit of a dip. And once that's done, it all goes into the garden. So try and conserve some of the water that you're using too. And the beneficial part of it is putting it on some of your plants as well. Okay? Just be cautious of the soap content that you have that's in there. So if uh, you're too much concentrated on your soap, it may cause a little bit that's on it. But any type of, uh, if you can retain, I know some areas got some moisture Get out the rain barrel, see if you can tap that source that if we cross our fingers that we get that rain, we're capturing that extra rain from our rooftops into our rain barrels so that we're able to subsidize and put it on our gardens. All right, let's go right back to lines. Good morning, Caroline. How are you? 
Good morning, Caroline. Oh, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm just fine, and yourself? Very well. Where are you calling from this morning? I'm calling from the Warren area. Warren, well, hello, Warren area. I know exactly where you are. How, how can we help you this morning on the Lawn and Garden Journal? Well, my raspberries, all the fruit at the end, the pointy end of the raspberry fruit, yep. is, is um, like seedy. And there, and some. If it's not seedy, it's got little brown ends on it. Okay. Um, with that, there could be a lack of moisture, not enough moisture that's in there that's on it. There's other things um, that could cause that too as well. Is there's a lot of beetles. Like a, what I'm talking about is a um, like a stink. There's stink beetles that are out there that are happening of it. There could be other little bugs that are affecting it. Um, you know, it's all that different aspects that you have. And there's also, um, okay, sorry, you caught me here just with tarnish beetles will sometimes affect uh, stra- strawberries and also on raspberries that will give you that defective type of look. So are you um, applying moisture? Yes, I am. Like one, yeah. one uh, I just watered, oh, well, it was about a week ago, I probably had the sprinkler on them for about three hours kind of thing and then I just watered the other day okay and what what do the leaves look like is it just affected on the berry itself or is there an aspect that's happening to the leaf structure to my knowledge it's only the uh, berries I haven't seen anything on the leaves I mean there's a there's a there's some grasshoppers jumping around but uh, I didn't know whether they would they would uh, eat the end of the berry off yeah, uh, well, I don't know if they'll eat the end of the berry. I know that uh, I'm seeing more, just in the last week or two myself, I'm seeing a lot more uh, grasshoppers and almost the, not the, I always call them the cute grasshoppers versus the grayish, mm-hmm. I think they are they look like locusts. I don't know if that's the right word for them, but I know that in the States they're ra- rampant in some uh, territories or some states right now, and I'm seeing a little bit up here as well. I don't know if they would go after the fruit versus, but uh, if they're hungry, I think most bugs will go into it. But if it's misshapen, is it, it, take, now here's here's the question. Is it misshapen or does it look like it's being eaten? Because there is a difference when you look at that fruit. Is it what, I'm sorry? Is it misshapen or is it being nibbled? Because in our gardening world, if we look at some aspects of some things, uh, particularly leaves and berries, you can tell when there's been an eating mon- munching look versus a deformity look. It's like I say, the the end of it. It looks like it's um, puckered in. Uh, pardon me. Like it looks like it's sort of puckered in, like it hasn't fully opened. Um, no, I think it's. I think it's opened. Like like there are a few that's puckered in that has the brown on it, but the other ones looks like. Um, almost as if it's seedy and drying kind of thing. Okay, check for uh, check for bugs uh, because what you can have is if the fruit is developing poorly, and this is the first year that it's happened on you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I think it could be heat, it could be heat that's in there. It could be heat development where the plant is not respiring, or is the plant is probably. And this is okay. We're gonna back this up. There's so many plants right now that are 
when I say respiring, is they develop through their leaf structures. It's the way that they breathe and take in um, the CO2 and the oxygen to create oxygen and the growth pattern of what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of plants are respiring or take, trying to take up as much moisture as they can, but mm-hmm. they are losing more moisture faster than they're getting in the ground. So we're going to see that if in some instances uh, underdeveloped leaf structures, we're going to see problems with fruit development. We're going to see fruit drop or just not the amount that you're going to see normally in fruiting. So it could be either that. The other thing that you can look for is try and open up one of the berries too to see if you have a a bug or a something that's in the inside of it. Sometimes you've heard me say, I get out the old uh, uh, exacto blade and I like to cut through things. Uh, my business partner the other day had a rose gall and it was like doing science biology. It's like, wow, let's cut this open and see what's inside. Mm-hmm. So if you can go out there and grab a few of them and open them up and see maybe if there's something on the inside that is preventing it because sucking insects will do that. They'll cause a deformity, but they'll be on the inside of the berry. Okay. And, okay. And if that's the case, what do you do with it or can you do anything? Well, at this point, it's probably too late because most of those sucking insects, um, in that aspect, most of the sucking insects, uh, it will be a mother one that goes up and lays the eggs on the insect as the fruit is just starting to develop and it gives you that fruiting cocoon so that they're able to be in there as they're growing and that's their um, food source, right, for, the, for okay. when they do develop. So yep. in some instances, uh, spraying a little bit uh, with an endol or an application just as the flowering and the, then the development of the fruit happens will help to eradicate that. Uh, sometimes by using um, protective netting, uh, sometimes, um, you know, like there's row covers, but I don't know if it's feasible enough if your garden is that big to do that portion of it. And sometimes insects come in waves due to weather and environment. So Mm -hmm. it could be just one of those years that if you've never had it before, we seem Mm -hmm. to get cycles of bugs and diseases. Now, here's a shout out to everyone to listen. When we get a season where you have cycles of bugs and diseases, this is the part that when we do hit into the fall and we see that cycle, this is where we have to clean up our gardens diligently. We don't want the the fruit on the ground as much as we can. Get a little bit of raking, get rid of the debris, get rid of, because we do not want them overwintering in the soils so that it causes a cycle again. Okay? Okay. All right. So for the fruit that's on there, I we can't, you know, reverse it. But uh, if there is other fruits that are good and on there, maybe pick them a little bit sooner uh, before they pre-ripen. So at least you have a little bit of strawberry or raspberry, sorry, that you're able to harvest. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, thank Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn. Okay. Okay. Okay, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We'll be right back after this message. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And just a little bit of a tip. Make sure you have water in the bird bass because the birds, too, Love the insects, and they'll even eat some of those stink bugs that affect your tomatoes. We'll be back next week on the Lawn and Garden Journal. Bye-bye, everyone.